mean, the drinking and the drugs, I got to get away from Why couldn't this, you have done it without, me. without over drinking? And I don't know. I don't know why, why can any addict. I love working in the oil field. I love really? working on a drilling rig. And don't you get oil all over you? Not really. I mean, some days. <laughs> don't get up. I wasn't. Big man, doing well. How are you? You look live and in character. Do you? Can I fix your drink? No, thank you. You don't drink anymore at all? Nah, try not to. That must hurt. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, mean, I don't. Not anymore. Not anymore. Yeah, you know what? That's what I got from your last record, which is great. That the one you made in the pandemic. Yeah. Such a good record, and oh, thank you. it's it's like it's so. Uh, thoughtful and wistful about your past and uh you know like looking back at like yeah i used to be in bars at, with whiskey on my lips but now i got a good woman yeah <laughs> and so i don't need to do that yeah i'm trying to avoid that that whole get a good woman and then oh and then you're yeah you, you well know. you know what <laughs> congratulations takes, you've done it for years <laughs> It takes you out of the bars, you know. But uh, no, you sounded very. I mean, it made made me think you were very happy. Man, I am. I'm in good place these days, uh, you know. And, um, and I, I don't know girl. where I am, but you know, a met, to, uh, this my life a to a to z. I don't know where I'm. My w now, but you know, doing okay. No, I mean, what are you sixty? <laughs> Sixty one. Okay. You know, look at Biden. He's 110 and from Transylvania, and he's still, he's the president of the United States, and he's probably going to be running again, you know. So, and, you know, if I'm that way at 80, I'll be fine with it. He's not in bad shape. But if I'm that way at 80, I'm just going to be doing the pelvic thrust on stage at the Grand Ole Opry. I'm not going to have the nuclear codes. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's a different thing, Bill. Yeah, it's a different thing. I mean, that, that's why I wouldn't want them in Trump's hands more than Biden's hands. What, do you think Biden is an insane person who's going to fire off a nuclear weapon for no reason? No, but I just... Okay, so just admit... A, what? I don't even... I don't even hardly... The only guy I remember being that old when I was young... My granddaddy lived to be 83 years old. He was the oldest guy that I think I'd people ever lived, known. <clears throat> people lived people to, live a lot longer now, right? People lived 110. It was That's a, crazy. There was a lady who beat COVID at 103. My mother beat it three times. She's 80-something, 81. Three times? Three. She got it three times. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and she kicked its ass tough old girl i was gonna say um wow three times that seems like that that shouldn't happen like if you get it you don't you have shouldn't you have the immune uh, maybe her immune system is yeah you know the first time she got it was pretty rough but then the the next two times yeah. it wasn't very bad yeah I mean, yeah she had built up that natural immunity i suppose you got it I got it two times, yeah. You did. Did you get first time? I felt pretty bad for a couple of days. Had you had the vaccine? Yeah. Really? 
felt pretty bad for a couple of days. And then the second time I got it, it, it was really nothing. I, I didn't. Uh, so you didn't think the vaccine had a chip in it to track you? <laughs> you know what? I just, I, I, I don't buy into all of that crap, know. you know, and I'm like, give me a vaccine for everything that you've got one for. <laughs> I'll take them. I'm not scared of that. No, shit. you've been shot in the heart. Yeah, but I mean, I'm just not. I don't think they're trying to. No, you know, I'm not. put something in the vaccines to control us. So you know, no. give me a vaccine. They're for definitely not. Definitely not doing that. No. <laughs> or that, that it makes us, you know, feminine or whatever. Nah, I didn't notice that either. It'd have to be a hell of a vaccine to make you feminine. <laughs> Well, <laughs> girls love a deep voice. Girls love a country boy. Isn't that one of your songs? Ladies That's absolutely right. Yeah. 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 Well, they like any, they like a good one. <laughs> you, know? you know, I don't know what it, I don't know what to attribute it to. I, what, all the women who threw themselves at you? I just had game, I guess. I don't know. Well, you're a singer. That's right. You don't have to even know how to speak. It, just, it, it doesn't true. seem like it's you know. just amazing the power of music it's pretty crazy but also you're 10 feet tall you know you're kind of bigger than life oh i could definitely see why the that was a long long time ago. i know no i'm telling you i feel like every song i heard on your record was like all about and I met your girl. She's great. And she's Canadian, right? Yeah, yeah. Because she, there's that one song that's about, like, um, it's a classic uh, We Shouldn't Be Together song. It and all you, adds up. It to all us. adds up to us. Like, yeah. you got the GMC and she's got the whatever and the <laughs> Subaru. I wrote that about her. You know. Oh, I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> so, you're going to smoke? I'm going to smoke. Yeah. Oh, God. You still smoke cigarettes? Yeah. Are you nuts? You're like the last person in America who smokes cigarettes then. Really? Am I wrong? Am I, there, is there a lot of people who? I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> you know. But it doesn't, you don't worry about your health with those? <clears throat> yeah, sure. But it's the only vice that I have that after I do it, I don't have to apologize to people for what I said. Or what I did. Right. <laughs> so let really? me have this one last one. Just let me have this one. Right. You know, I, and as far as weed, you know, I mean, I, I always it, I have that voice in my head, you know, when I first started trying to get sober and some of those old hardcore alcoholics that had been sober for 20 years, you know, they, they would tell me, don't do the marijuana program to stop drinking. That's not going to work. It's not going to work. I just remember hearing that. But you never were into weed? I did smoke it years ago. I would smoke it every now and then, you know. But I, I, it got to a point in my life where it made me incredibly paranoid. That, it's, that's a common effect of pot. That, it, but it kept. Right. it seemed <clears throat> like it kept getting incrementally worse every time I yes. would do it. It would make me more and more no, and more paranoid to the point that I was just like, I don't want to No, do like any psychotropic drug you're doing, it has a lot to do with your mood. I mean, it's what's going on in your head, and we don't know, 
you know, that's the bottom of the ocean, the brain, as far as like things we know about. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, they know more than they used to, but it's still quite a mystery. And I know like I will smoke, like if I smoke in a hotel room, I get higher. I don't know why, but it has something to do with my mood. I think with the psychological elements in my mind that I'm not aware of that are on the subconscious level. There's something about maybe I feel like something. It's an environmental thing. With yes. You. I don't know. I mean, you know, look, this is not health food either. I'm, I'm, I'm not claiming that, but I feel but like. But does it hurt you? I don't know. It could. Well, I mean, I like, don't. I don't think I would recommend. If I was a doctor, putting smoke in your lungs of any kind. Smoke, yeah. I mean, you know, it's probably not. But, you know, you got to, like you say, you got to pick your, at least with this. These you, chairs make me feel like I'm squatting to shit in the woods. Do they feel that way to you? <laughs> oh, well, I wanted to make you feel at home. So. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> you asshole. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love you. I still like you're still an asshole. And you're probably going to get worse the older you get. No. I'm a, I will. I'm charming. I'm just, I'm charming you. Oh, yeah. Is, is that what you're doing? <laughs> yeah. I recognize it. I love my redneck friends. Well, good, man. Yeah. <laughs> we'll keep you alive when the world comes to an end. Well, it's good to have friends on both sides. That's true. Cover I your, had a guy cover your beds. the other day. He's this younger God, we were on tour and he was a tour manager for somebody else but i'd known him for a while he recently has had a couple of kids in the last few years and he came to me and he was concerned i could see it on his face and he was like i just gotta ask you man i respect what you think about things and he said i got kids now man he said i'm worried what do you think's gonna happen and i said it's gonna get worse until it's over Meaning what? That's so vague. It's just, it's not good. <clears throat> if you're expecting all this stuff to what stuff? miraculously get the, the the craziness that we're surrounded but with these Specifically days. what? There's so much of it. Well, with children, you know, like if you're bringing little kids up now and, oh, God. and the things that are happening, oh. you know, and it, it just. I could not imagine being a parent. I would be a terror. I wouldn't, I could not accept, I think I know what you're talking about. I just could not accept, first of all, uh, I don't even like kids. So the fact that I'm defending them is hysterical. But uh, I, I just don't think I could take losing the kind of autonomy that parents have lost over what happens with their own children. Yeah. You know, the idea of calling the cops on my mother, I must say, never occurred to me. Like, it did not cross my mind that, oh, here's an option when I didn't like my parents, when they were making me pissed off at them. I'll call the cops on them or report them or, you know, and, or go. There was no resource. There's no other resources. I'll tell, tell the teacher. Tell the teacher. Teacher talks to them. That's what I don't think I could bear as a parent. I, I feel like, I would want to be able to raise my kid the way I wanted to raise him. And, and some of the weapons I got from my old man growing up, I could have called the cops. But you know what? Every other guy that I grew up with could have too. All our dads were the same exact way, you know. What do you mean? Could they beat you? Not beat you, but they'd take that belt out and 
put it right. across your ass when you needed it. You well, know? that's called beating. <laughs> they beat you, yes. Nah, that ain't beating. Well, <clears throat> a belt on your ass is kind of a beating. I mean, I was spanked. I've had beatings, too. Right. <clears throat> oh, I That's think... not a beating. Right. <laughs> right. But, you know, you're, you're, you're all bar fights. You, know. you got to be really careful these days, too, you know. Get mad at somebody on the interstate or something, some little UFC fighter liable to jump out of his Hyundai and beat the shit out of you, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, <laughs> that's unlikely. All these kids are into the UFC now. You got to be careful. Well, <laughs> that's unlikely in the specific, but I will uh, submit the stupidest thing you can do, I think, is ever to... Uh, Honk another driver if I'd they're never do that because you don't know who's in that car. That's it, right. It just could be some, maybe not a UFC fighter, but just just somebody who's borderline. I mean, there's, me. There, <laughs> it could be me. It could be you. You know, you right? Don't, you don't want to do that, right? Imagine this man mountain getting out of the car and saying. I laugh about it yeah. sometimes when somebody does give me the little toot, you know, and I'm just like, you're so stupid, you know. Uh, Why, because you could kill them? I don't know, but it probably yeah. wouldn't be enjoyable for them. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I I am a cautious person. Like, uh, I will take risks, and I certainly have in my career, uh, but there has to be consummate reward has to be a big reward. I'm not into like running across the street against the light if I could save a minute, you know, or uh, honking people or no. anything that's like, oh, who gives a shit? That's, you know, that's such a fake way of being brave. I mean, no brave. Just live to fight another day. Don't cause trouble. Happiness, I feel like so much of it is not just what you get, it's what you avoid, you know? Avoid feuds. Yeah. Avoid debt. And and being in a hurry too. It's like I never did really get in much of a hurry. And these days, where am I going? I don't have a job. You know what? <laughs> you know, what am I? I don't have to be anywhere really on time. Well, you, know, unless you, have, I'm you have something better. Flying than a, somewhere. You know. You have something better than a job. You have a career. Well, uh, I guess. What? What do you mean you guess? I did have until I came to do this. Now I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. You've never been controversial before. Uh, oh, look. I. Well, not needlessly controversial. Look what I found. Oh, you got a little army, man. Yeah, what? These? What do you mean you found them? I didn't. Fa These are in. I, there's a, a room back there where I call the Museum of the Random, where I have all my shit from childhood, and obviously. Oh wow! I had a Civil War set. Yeah, you did. Oh, I'm. I'm sure I'm not even supposed to have this. Wow! But they just. I mean, it was. It was the blue and the gray. Um, I think there's a gray. I think there's oh, a dude. yeah, there's a Confederate soldier. You can have that one. <laughs> Man, you just <laughs> triggered the perpetually persecuted with these. <laughs> triggered. 
perpetually persecuted grievance junkies that wake up every morning looking for something to be pissed off about. You see that dirt on this guy? Yeah. That's, that's, that dirt is from the 60s. That's old dirt. That's old dirt. <laughs> I've heard the same old as dirt, but no, that's literally, yeah. Did you ever collect army men? I don't remember. Uh, what was your childhood like? What was it like? When you weren't getting beaten by your father. Oh, my God. No, man, that happened very rarely anyway. And every right. time it happened, I deserved it. But my childhood was very... Uh, Norman Rockwellian. Me too. I swear. Me too. It was like... It, it was... Both sets of my grandparents, I lived in a little bitty town that did not even have a red light. <clears throat> and it was very rural. And both sets of my grandparents, one set of my grandparents lived about a mile and a half from me, and the other set lived about three miles from me. I mean, everybody was right there. I went to the same school that my grandparents went to, you know, um, K through 12, all on the same campus. It was just a very idyllic little place to grow up, you know. I, I mean, it's funny. You grew up, where is this, Tennessee? Louisiana. Louisiana. Oh, Louisiana, okay. I grew up in New Jersey, which you would think would be so different. I could almost make the same exact description. I think there was, I think we had no traffic lights. There was a Four Corners. <laughs> yeah, there was we had that. and Where there was like. And there is a traffic light there now. Okay, there was. that's probably right. There's probably light there now, where there was like four stores, yeah, which was the subtotal of the industry in town. Right. I remember my father used to complain about the tax base, and we only would get some industry here, like industry. Who's coming to Riverville, New Jersey? Like, like the Ford Motor Plant is going to open up in this bedroom community. <clears throat> but <clears throat> it was, it was, Everybody there uh, either worked in the oil field or they worked in the timber industry. And my, my father worked in the timber industry. Well, he'd, he'd, he worked for an international paper company at a corrugating plant where they made cardboard. And there was a paper mill there. Um, and they all, most, the, a lot of the men worked there. And then I think it was the late 70s, uh, the union had just gotten so ridiculous in that uh, paper mill that they had a big meeting and they were trying to have this negotiation between the union and International Paper Company and International Paper Company sent one representative to this meeting and he walked in and he said, I'm not here to negotiate with you. I'm here to tell you that we sold this paper mill to a company in Germany and we're shutting it down. And immediately that place just went into a depression. And you're talking about the town? All those towns around there. So you're saying the union overplayed their hand? Yeah. Uh, and that was where the that was where the bad taste in my mouth for unions started. That's when it started because <clears> I saw the I devastation mean, that could be caused when uh, they I, got too big for their britches. I you know, my Grandfather was a union captain. I have union in my bones. My father was a union lover, straight up Democrat, Catholic type. And uh, I saw him just crushed in the 70s because he had to go out in, in sympathy with the engineers union. 
technology changed and newsmen and disc jockeys no longer needed an engineer. They could just put a cartridge in the slot and play the whatever they had to play. <clears throat> and these guys were just sitting around playing cards all day. And the union fought for those jobs. And, I mean, I guess that's their job. But you got to know when to hold them and when to fold them, right? Yeah. I mean, like, sometimes you're just f fighting and you, like you say with your father, they just... If they overplay the hand, then the, they, the, we tip over the board and the table and the game is over. We're At not even, some point, you got to go, do I want this job or no job? Yeah. On the other hand, you do need unions to in many industries. I mean, I would think. I would say some. I wouldn't say many. But I, because I, of OSHA, I think when the government came along and, right. and, and stepped in and said, you have to have these it, some kind of civilized, you know, uh, conditions for these people to work in, you know, and uh, yeah. But once that came in, you need uh, someone. No, it's like having an agent. You need someone. That's what a union is. It's a fucking agent that that you wouldn't want to negotiate. You know, when you did did your series, your your agent got whatever the deal was. I'm sure it was a nice, rich deal for Monarch. Okay, you needed an agent. And that's what workers need. They need an agent. They need somebody to negotiate and say, okay, this is our job to know what the number is in your head. And then we're going to give you the number and we're going to get to the right number. And we're going to get you a, a good salary. You need that agent. That's a union. You need it. Next week's guest is Chris Stefano, And he stayed and helped me tell you about our sponsors. Well, the holidays have come and gone, which is perfect timing for today's sponsor, OneSkin. This winter, OneSkin is your best defense against the dry, cold weather that can wreak havoc on your skin. What makes OneSkin's products are powdered by a groundbreaking peptide, OS1, OS1. Which I'll tell you, Bill, you have some of the nicest skin I've ever seen in my life. You have such great skin, and I know it's from OneSkin, that I actually want to peel it off and eat it because I know it's keto. Well, when OS1, I was... which is the first ingredient scientifically proven to prevent the accumulation of aged cells, the primary culprit be behind skin aging. And I'll tell you what, Bill, I know for a fact you're using one skin because you told me you were 68 and I couldn't believe you told me you were 68, 68 I... year old male and I thought you were a 25 year old female. And that's because of one skin. The real magic, OS1, what does it have, Bill? Tell us. It has actually been proven in the lab to actually reduce the biological age of skin by several years, meaning it not only prevents but slows down skin aging, leaving you with healthier, more hydrated, and glowing skin. One Skin is one of the first products to address the root causes of aging, not just the symptoms. One Skin just launched their mini bundles, which Oof. include face and eye topical supplements, body lotion and cleanser, which all come in a delightful travel bag. You're kind of a delightful travel bag yourself. I am. And I'll For tell a limited you what, time, you... our listeners can enjoy an exclusive 15% off OneSkin products using the code RANDOM when you check out at oneskin.co, not .com, .co. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. It's time to get started with your new face, eye, and body routine at a discounted rate today. New customers get 15% off with the code RANDOM at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code RANDOM. Now is the best time to invest in your skin. Age healthy with OneSkin. 
Prize Picks. Prize Picks. It's the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. Prize Picks is the easiest and most exciting way to play. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less. More than or less than. Or, no, Thank no, you. Bill, this is serious. I, yeah, have you done this prize picks? Prize, you pick more than or less than oh. or between two and six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. Like with the basketball season, you can now pick combo projections across playoff football and basketball from the specials league. And this is not like a specials fucking joke. It's a league created uh. specifically. I use this. For combo projections that include two or more different players from different leagues. For example, you take LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10 and half combo of threes made plus plus receptions. So LeBron James with threes, Travis Kelsey with the receptions. And what you do is whoever wins, you get a certain number. And if you want to play alongside some of Prize Picks' favorite players like rapper. Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz, who I don't think Andrew Schultz has ever been in the pod. No. I beat right. Andrew Schultz. You can now find community plays under the promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the prize picks community. Each week, prize picks, you know what they offer? A reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured, which is huge in football. That's a big thing with football. And prize picks is the only, Bill, the only daily daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. That's what makes them different. I love Price Picks so much. I know you love Price Picks so much. You use your winnings from Price Picks to buy a new stripper pole for Club Random. Where is it? It's over there. New stripper pole. Because that, that one is loose. It's fucking loose. Yeah. I tried to take a photo with it before. I fell off. It's loose. Go to prizepicks.com slash random and use code random for a first deposit match up to $100. Go to prizepicks.com slash random and use code random for a first deposit match up to $100. Daily fantasy sports made easy. You're better at this than me. The truth about America is it's, even though there is obviously pockets of cities and suburbs, every state is also country. I mean, California has 4 million Trump voters and the entire area between San Francisco up to Oregon is very rural. Yeah. I mean, very Alabama-y. Yeah. It's been my experience over the years doing this now for 26 or 7 years. Country music fans are country music fans everywhere you go. There's not, it's, it's, it's hard to tell the difference in... You, you can't tell if you didn't know where you were when you walk out on that stage. You're you, you're not going to be able to tell from the reaction of the audience because they they all act pretty much the same. I, I think there's some Midwestern areas that they seem to be a little more reserved for some reason, you know. But but by and large, man, you generally can't tell the difference where you are based on what I, the audience acts I like. Say the same thing. Yeah. It's I I mean because they're coming to see you and they know who you are and they know what you're about. Same with you. You know, yeah, right. When it when when we're doing a poll among Trace Atkins fans, probably the question, "Are you a fan of Trace Atkins?" is going to get a very high number. And yeah, that's the same thing with with me. Yeah, it's like you got to really fuck it up if people have paid their hard earned money to see you. Yeah, because they're already predisposed. I mean, to that's a lot of motivation, money, get a babysitter, you know, arrange, you know, 
I mean, I the last thing I ever want to do in this whole world is ever disappoint an audience. They're they're yeah they're coming You're, set on having a good time, and you got to give you it just to try them. not to screw it up. You can't <laughs> right, <laughs> and I don't, and I'm sure you don't either. No, especially, you don't, man. I saw the last special you had. It oh. was great. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Awesome, that. man. Adulting and all yes, that. Yes, adulting. That's oh, great. I'm glad man. you watched that. Yeah, I loved it's amazing how so much has changed. My whole act has changed. I mean life changes fast. I was reading like most Gen Z kids think that the country was um uh, is worse off than it was 50 years ago. And you just wish you could show them what 1973 looked like. Because I remember 1973. I guess you were just a little younger than me, but you remember you were alive. Yeah. And, I mean, just what TV looks like. These kids don't remember when people used to drive down the road and just throw trash out the window. I do. I do, too. Yeah. That's, trash was everywhere. That's not really anything. Nobody does that anymore. I know. <laughs> Right. Yes, I see your point. Yes, right. You know, we, it's, it's, we've improved on almost everything. Yeah. Um, and they just seem to want to... I feel like when you're a social justice warrior, you need you need more uh, injustice than perhaps is in front of you to fix at any moment, par partly because the earlier generations did a lot of the heavy lifting. But it's the work ethic. What? Don't you think it's the work ethic? Well, that, that is, I mean. Well, yes. I mean, partly they leave school without knowing anything, which I feel is a problem as far as schooling goes. Um, it's just astounding to me how they will let kids out of high school and not know things. Like, and now we know, especially with the pandemic, the reading and math scores are like, like as far as proficiency, so for like fourth and eighth grade, they're like in the twenties and thirties. Like twenty percent, thirty percent of the kids are proficient in reading. So not only can't they think, they can't. They couldn't even start to because they can't read now. So, you know, and there's no discipline. You know. I mean, you can't have success in this life without having some kind of discipline, you know? I mean, you just said you have you have a whole new show that you've written now. That requires discipline and dedication oh. and work. I mean, it just, you know what I mean? It just no, 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 look, we're lucky because our work is fun. Yeah. That's a big difference. I can't compare myself to someone who was like, oh, you know, they're cutting the heads off chickens on a conveyor belt at the Tyson plant. That's I not fun. I realize that all the time. Okay. I remind myself of that all the time. Yeah. I won the lottery. I get to earn a living doing something that I love to do. You know, thank God, man. I love, yeah. so blessed, we both, fortunate. I mean, I'm sure I didn't have the kind of colorful shit jobs that you've had. I know you were an oil rig. I love that job, though. Really? I loved working in the oil field. I loved really? working on a drilling rig. And Don't you get oil all over you? Not really. I mean, some <laughs> days. Some days, yeah. Some oh. days you would, get, you would get filthy, but other days, you know. Why? Because I mean, you needed to finish your 12-hour tour dirty, or your boss wouldn't think you'd do So you worked anything. 12 hours in a row? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, 14, 14 days on, 14 days off. 
12 hours a day. Why do they arrange it like that? Because then you go it goes home? goes offshore, yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah, you'd stay out on the rig for two weeks. So you work for 14 days straight, 12 hours a day. So you, it's almost like doing a movie. You only have time to do the thing and then sleep. There you go. That's, that's what it was. Except it's not really like doing a movie because you're fucking full of oil. But so, <laughs> like, I'm fascinated by this. This was offshore yeah. Louisiana? Yeah. I see. And what, so you, what, do you, what happens? You, you catch the oil in the sea and you bring it up like fish? <laughs> what, like, like it's a, I've seen video of it, obviously, but like it looks like there's a big thing on the, so what are you doing? You're, how are you getting the you're oil from the, from poking this? Poking a hole in the ground, yeah. Yes, but how, but then when it comes up on the ship, you're putting it in barrels? But sometimes they will lay a pipeline, usually they'll lay a pipeline from the platform back to the, to the shore. Yeah, to those big... Oh, right, uh, of course. So you're just monitoring how it's coming up through the... I didn't do the production end of it. I just did the drilling part. We, Somebody finds the oil, which in the case... Which in the Gulf of Mexico, it's very hard to drill a well in the Gulf of Mexico that you're not going to hit oil. It's really? everywhere. Yeah, so, you know, we would drill the wells, and then sometimes we would test the well to see if it was a good well, you know, and I don't, I don't know what the numbers were on how they uh, judge that, but, you know, then we would just cap it off and then we would move on to another location and drill another well. And then somebody else would come in behind us with a workover rig, a production rig, and put the well. But, but you're, you're on the boat the whole time. No, I was on a, a, a jack-up. What's that? It's a big, huge barge. Uh, that has legs on it, and you get towed to the location. Oh, I see. And then the legs go down to the ocean floor, and then you literally jack the whole barge up out of the water, and then you drill the well. So. And you do this in one day? Oh, no. Months and months. Oh. <laughs> yeah. On one place like that? Yeah. In one Why? Place. Because it's just so long to get the thing in the ground. It takes a long time, you know, to drill oh. 10 or 12,000 feet. Oh, I see. Yeah. Why? Because the drill gets, like, stuck on shit? and uh, It's just some. It gets pretty hard once you get on down there and you got to drill through these layers of rock and stuff. But it's but how can you control the drill from where, up top on the ocean? Oh, man, those guys are brilliant. I mean, the technology is just, they know exactly which direction. And they can make that bit go whichever direction they want it to go. Uh -huh. You know, you could sit in one spot and drill, drill wells, out there, out there, out there. And how do you know when you hit the oil? You'll see it. It'll start coming back in the mud, you know, the oh, the mud that you use to get the cuttings out of the hole. You'll start, because you, you're always testing the mud to see, right. and then you'll see it'll start coming back. Or you might take a kick, and you'll know you've hit it, you know. Wow. Yeah. And you liked this. I did, man. <laughs> I did, you know, because I swear, you know, it was, um, I worked, I was a roughneck, and then I started working derricks. I was a derrick hand, and, and, you know, I, shit, I was the cock of the walk, man. And it was a very uh, competitive environment. It was like, really, because when I quit playing college football, and then I started working in the oil field, it was like, there. it was, it was a continuation of a team sport, almost. But it's be, a lot of guys, right? Crew. Huh? It's a lot of guys? It was a lot of guys. There were 40, no, but, 40 or 50 men on that rig. But just men? So, uh, 
you know, a female engineer would come out from time to time, not very often. But for, so for half your life, the 14 days you're on, you're just in an atmosphere of all men. Yeah. And you like that. Hey, you know. <laughs> Don't no, you dare. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not driving in anything. Oh, really? I'm, it kind of feels like you are. I'm, no, man. I'm just, it was a very competitive I, I, kind of thing. And, you know, and it was like, yeah, a lot I of, felt like I was the best hand on that rig. And if you of, think you're a better hand than I am, let's, right. let's go at it. Let's see who can, you know. A lot of guys offshore doing a lot, lot of drilling. There's, yeah, there's nothing you know. gay about this. God. <laughs> I never saw that. <laughs> Maybe it happened. I don't know. Really? Not with me. I don't know. Right. But so okay. So then you go back. What about? Tell me about the fourteen days when you're back home. Because then you're not working. So this is when the Trace Adkins legend becomes started getting out. Of, yeah. Right. Because you must be like just partying the whole time, right? Well, it no, no. But it did allow me to start uh, hook up with a band and start playing clubs on the weekends. Oh, really? You know, so it allowed me to, to start doing that. And then it kind of just started to get bigger and bigger and bigger to the point that I finally took a leave of absence from my oil field job and went on the road and started playing clubs in Texas, you know. And then that six-month leave of absence turned into four and a half years. <laughs> Yeah, and then finally I I got to a point where I woke up one morning and looked in the mirror and said, five years ago I wouldn't have been caught hanging out with somebody like you, you know, and I quit. When did that happen? It was 89. Really? Mm. You stopped getting into trouble in 89? No. Stopped getting into yeah. trouble? No, I just quit playing clubs and I oh. went back to work in the oil field. Oh, you went back? Why? Yeah, I thought I was going to, because I thought I was going to kill myself. I mean, the drinking and the drugs and just, it was just, you know, I was, I could see myself just shriveling up and it was like, you know, I got to get away. Why from couldn't you have done it without, me. without over drinking and drugs? I don't know. I don't know why, why can any addict not you, stop? You think you're really an addict? You're not just a guy who was partying too hard? I, you know what, man, I, I think I must be because I've, I've so many things have happened to me in my life that, that, and most of the bad stuff that's happened to me in my life, almost exclusively, I can, I can say, yeah, I was, I was drunk or I was, you know, under the but, influence but of something. I feel like a lot of that is because you sing about it. All countries, you're, it seems to be always on your mind. And, it's, and there's so many songs about drinking and over-drinking and the problems of drinking. And it's like, I feel like you're, you're self-hypnotizing yourselves into being drunks. I don't do a lot of those anymore, though. I know, but, like, is that a, a ridiculous I, theory? No, I just think, no. I, I don't think the song came first and then you started. <laughs> you know, this is not a chicken or egg type of thing, I think. You know, I see. You're saying you're you're I writing about the, you're writing about what you've already done. <laughs> you, or, you, uh, know, you may be right about that. That's been my experience. No, I understand. <laughs> well, but anyway, where um, was I? Oh, it doesn't matter. It was a boring story. No, I'm fascinated by the oil rig thing, and the fact that you would go back to it. Oh, I did go back to it. I stayed out there for another three years, and then, you know, and then I got that phone call. 
you know, from a guy that was my manager or, or, or that had booked me in clubs in Texas and New Mexico. And he had since moved to Nashville. He called me one day and he, he said, you singing anymore? And I said, I don't even sing in the shower. I'm done. <laughs> and he said, uh, he said, well, one of these days you're going to have to look at yourself in the mirror and ask yourself the question, I wonder what would have happened if. And I said, if really? Why? And he said, if you would have thrown down the pom-poms and gotten the game, he said, this is where you need to be. He wow. Said, you need to come to Nashville. This is where they make what you want to be, you know. And so. What year was this? 92. 92. So, you know, the, I, and I didn't immediately do it. I thought about it for a while. And then the, then the, that thought of what, you know, looking, having to look at myself in the mirror someday and ask myself that question scared me worse than selling the house and going to Nashville. So, so I ended up. Were you married at the that. time? Did you have children to consider? I, I wasn't married at that time, but I got married soon after that. And I had a couple of girls from my first marriage. Right. Yeah. So. So that guy really is the guy who changed your life for you. Yeah. You should send him a fucking case of steaks every Christmas. Well, we lost him a couple oh. years ago. Well, uh, never mind. Yeah, I loved him. He was great. Uh, and um, his son is, you know, I'm, I'm, is helping me now. He's tour managing and stuff. Oh, wow. He's great. I'm surprised at how much country music I have in my iPod. Like, not, it's definitely not the preponderance. Yeah. But over the years, you know, and there's probably one, you should probably tell me who I should like fucking download because I don't know a lot of them, but like, um, you know, I love you. You know what? I just. Brooks and Dunn. Yeah, they're great. Um, Ronnie Dunn, one of the best country singers ever. Don't have anything by him. Don't know him. But that's Brooks like, and Dunn. Oh, that's Brooks and Dunn. <laughs> okay. Um, and, uh, Kid Rock, I would say, is sort of in that category, like redneck rock. I love, mm, yeah, I love a lot of that stuff. Um, oh, there's, I'm sure there's others I'm leaving out. Yeah, that, Kid Rock's kind of, you know, Bobby's Southern rock, yeah. rap, country, something like that. Not rap. I, I mean, I, he, he doesn't. A, you rap. can't put him in a box. Yeah, but he doesn't rap much. It, all, most of his albums that I yeah. are not. There's a, maybe one song. That's not what I like about him. But, um, but I mean, I don't mean the rap. I mean, he has that hip hop vibe. He's got that, you know, kind of that. I just heard, know. I really had not heard of this Jason Aldean guy. Oh, yeah. But I don't know his, his stuff. Is he good? Yeah. Yeah, man. Jason toured with us oh. years ago, probably. I bet it was, it was right when he first came out, probably about 15 years ago. We did a tour together and. He went out with us for a few months. So he's in trouble because he, his, <laughs> I actually love the name of this song, Tried Out in a Small Town, right? This is the one I'm thinking of? Yeah. Yes, that's yeah. it. And I had, I had no idea about it. I, I didn't, I hadn't heard the song. I don't keep up, man. I don't listen to the current country stuff. I haven't heard it either, but I read, I mean, the people writing about it constantly and I believe Coleman Hughes. You know who that is? Brilliant, no. right? <clears throat> brilliant. I've had him on real time. He's young, I would say 30, 
black and brilliant. And he basically said it was a smear job because he said, first of all, they shot it in front of this courthouse where they lynched somebody 100 years earlier. He said, Jason Aldean probably didn't know that. Had no idea. Yeah, that they've used this in other movies. It's in like Hannah Montana or something. Um, It just, you know, the people who just want to get you are the ones who piss me off. And then there was, I felt like there was no smoking gun of like, you know, he, you know, there's a just this, just different kinds of Americans. You can't bully the people who grew up in Tennessee or Louisiana into being you. This sounds like Jason Aldean. It sounds like he's a country guy. This is kind of shit he's into, and the kind of stuff he thinks Christianity, all that stuff. It's not my jam, but you can't bully people into not being who they are, and they are no worse than you. Is my take on that? But again, I haven't really delved. It's just it's all so silly anyway. I mean, you know. The grievance junkies turn on somebody and they try to cancel them and and all it's going to do he's going to sell more records than he ever has and it's just he's going to make him bigger than he's ever been and it's just that's just and the know, other the other guy who- because he's not he's not he did he had no idea man you know you know how many music videos i've done that i've called up the director and went hey man now what about this location where we're shooting this thing right <laughs> you know and and yeah. if I did do that, it would only be because I didn't know where I was going. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. But it's like he had no idea. You know that director picked that location, and because it, it looked, it had the look they wanted it to look. It's you know? a it's a look. I, it yeah, was I mean, just a I, small town right. courthouse. Yes. You know that's all it was, and it happened to be close. It's like it's, like, it's not the way to fight racism by just making shit up to point your finger at somebody. And who's the other guy who got in trouble for, but it didn't, it hurt him not at all. I think he's, he's a giant. Oh, Morgan Wallen. There you go. He sold out two nights in a row, 55,000 plus tickets each night, you know, God, cancel me. You know? <laughs> yeah. And I just, you know, maybe I'm naive, but I just don't think these people are racists. He's, man, these, I've I just, been around both of those guys. They're good guys, you know? There's no, they're not racist. It's just, you know, it's just a shame that we can't get past the past. Yeah. You know? And... Yeah, I mean, look, I love playing your part of the country because the audience I get is a mostly liberal audience, but they're not the stick-up-their-ass liberal types in Oklahoma. No. You know what I'm saying? There, Anytime you, even if you're in a red state, when you're in the city, you're in a blue part of the red state. Right. So, you know, 
I've been in Alabama, and the people look exactly like they look everywhere else that come to my show. Right. And, you know, but they just don't have that sort of, like, nose in the air kind of, how dare you, like, I'm waiting for you to say the wrong thing attitude. They're like, we're here to have fun. It's a fucking comedy show. Yeah. I love stand-up comics. I always have. I, I, I've been a fan. I go to Zany's fairly regularly, you know. Yeah, we're little, the best. Little club there in Nashville, you know. Really? You do? You go to Zany's? Yes. And I, I played you know, Zany's a million years ago. Um, and I just... it. Do you know how hard it would be for me to go hear comedians or see comedians uh, if I only chose to listen to conservative comedians? Yeah. There right. wouldn't be very many. No. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I would never get to go to a show, you know. But there's more. I can appreciate it's, the comedy. It's yeah. interesting, though. Yes, not a lot of what I would call conservative comedians, but there's a lot more conservative themes in comics like me bill burr i could name lots well, dave Chappelle, lots of people because because the left is crazy because they're spotlight spotlighting the absurdity yes because we are comics because we, that shit's funny exactly absurdity is, is funny we go where the comedy is <laughs> there you go we go absurdity is funny exactly so if you're going to be absurd you're, I'm going to make fun of you. And you're, yeah. So. And you deserve yes. it. And you deserve it. Exactly. And it should tell them something that people are laughing, that it rings true. Yeah. Because, because laughter is involuntary. You know, that's the one really great thing about it. Yeah. You know, you can be the biggest comedy star in the world. I saw it happen back when I was in the, starting out in the clubs and Rodney Dangerfield would walk in or some big star. And the crowd would go wild. And he got about a minute of grace time when they would just kind of nervous laughter if he wasn't really funny. After that, you've got to earn your wings every minute up there. there you, I know. They, no matter who you are, they you can't, people cannot. That's why I've said I, I got such respect for what you guys do because you're working without a net, man. You are correct. You got no net. I've got exactly those five or six do. guys standing up there on stage with me. I got my gang. Exactly, pussy. You know? Yeah, I got my muscle. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you don't like what I'm doing? You're going to have to deal with these guys, you know? Well, you know. Yeah, but like, you're up there by yourself, and you, yeah. I got, like what I got just crazy respect for what you guys do. One of the One of the Beatles in the great anthology said, when they were asking about Elvis, and they said, I think it was Georgie, said, you know, with us, there was the four of us. So whatever we were going through, no matter how crazy it was, we had each other. But Elvis, you know, he only had himself. I was like, oh, that's so true. Like, God, I hate that I missed Elvis. I wish I would have had a chance. Oh, he's still Elvis. alive. He's working at the 7-Eleven. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, I. You never met him? No, you, of course not. No, no. He, well, he died in '77. You yeah. could have been a teenager. It was. Uh, I remember one time, Pendulette said to me, "He said, if you ever get into an argument with somebody that's from another country and they're talking to you know, you know, extolling the 
grand things that their country has given the world. You know, he said, you can always win that argument with one word, Elvis. Wow. You know, I mean, and I, he was the first cult of personality, you know, that in, in modern history. Anyway. Well, I don't know about that. Well, who else was? Then? Charlie Chaplin. Oh, was. my God. You should. That's not modern history. <laughs> of course it is. I mean, there, there were, but yes, Charlie Chaplin was a star of almost unbelievable magnitude by our standards. I mean, he was paid the kind of money that would sound impressive today when the movies cost like a penny and, you know, a house cost $12,000. Yes. Okay, well, then let me narrow it. And when I'm, he went to let like, me narrow it. Like his, the headline in the paper when he went to, back to London, I think, was just, he's here. You know, the, it was big. He, there, there were big people. But I, I look, there are people who will argue about Mr. Gillette's theory about Elvis. I'm not one of them. I've always been since about age 14 when it was 1970, and I had not paid attention to Elvis before, but I really hadn't paid attention to music until I was about 12. So I got into the Beatles, and Elvis, in my mind at that time, was always this old dude who was before my time in corny rock and rolls, hivel swips. And then I heard a couple of songs that he did around that time, which is the time I love Elvis, the, er, the when he got out of the movie contract from Suspicious Minds until he died. He put out some amazing shit. And he wasn't fat until the last two years. Yeah. Um, very mature. I mean, Burt Backrack wrote Any Day Now for him. And uh, I mean, some some great stuff. But, yeah. Well, there was it, it, there was no roadmap for Elvis. I mean, there's no musician that had ever experienced. No, he was the first. You know, that that just that phenomenon that was. Yes, I'm, you know, I'm, I think Bing Crosby was certainly a matinee idol star. But no, you're right. Bing Crosby was huge, probably in the 30s. He was not Elvis. Sinatra in the fifth in the. Oh, wait, Sinatra was like, the Bing Crosby was the 20s. Sinatra in the uh, late 30s, early 40s was Elvis-esque, yes. It was, a, it was a phenomenon. It was a happening when he went someplace. They, you know, just this intense excitement that you felt around where he was and what he was doing. And, of course, the women must have been insane. But, okay, well. But Elvis certainly. I'll let you have all those also rans. I'm going to stick with Elvis. No, I love Elvis too. You can't get me on Elvis. I, I, okay. I, I see. Well, stop arguing with me then. Well, I'm just giving you the reality. I mean, he wasn't. And then the Beatles I th really outdid Elvis. There was much more of a worldwide phenomenon with the Beatles. Beatlemania was worldwide. But they were huge Elvis fans. Yes, they were. Yeah. Absolutely. Although he also disappointed them. I mean, Paul McCartney and I think Lennon said, we loved him from 56 to 58, and then when he got out of the army in 1960, there was something that was missing. And they're not wrong. I mean, that whole 60s was a lost decade. It was a lot of, um, it was what he called the travelogues. It was like, he did 29 movies. I mean, about 25 of them were fun in Acapulco and Girls, Girls, Girls. And I know. Just these silly things. There was the same script in a different location and forgettable songs. But when he came out of that, 
I mean, he did have a great final act, I think, musically. If you listen to that stuff from the early 70s. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> you know. I remember when I was a kid, my aunt, my, my dad's younger sister, they didn't have a television. And the only time that she would come to our house and spend the night would be on a night when an Elvis movie was coming on. She would come to our house and spend the night so she could watch the Elvis. And she and my mother would sit up and watch the Elvis movie. You know, I just remember that when I was a kid. It doesn't, I just, I just realized that. That's so strange. I, I, I thought the movie, and did you see the movie? I saw some of it. I don't know. There was something about it that made it just, I just, it was almost unbearable. It was so. Well, I thought the performance was great. Yeah, the guy did a good job. I didn't think the movie was great. I didn't either. And, I mean, I don't think they, I mean, I understand they tried to capture. You know, the thing where I, he was, where he called out the colonel from the stage in Vegas. Yes. He would never have done that. So much yeah. of it was bullshit. As someone who knows the biography, <clears throat> that's what bothered me, one. Two, I don't think Tom Hanks, as great as an actor as he is, it was right for the part of Colonel Tom Parker. Didn't seem like He's too either. good. He's too nice. He's fucking Tom Hanks. I needed some scumbag. Because that is the tragedy of Elvis. What did Elvis die of? Bad management. Damn right. Bad management. He died of bad management. Everything that he did and everything that oh. he was, think of what he could have been. Could have been. The colonel wouldn't let him go overseas where he was adored, and yet he never played Paris. He never played London. He wouldn't. He, yes, because the colonel was. Colonel a, couldn't go. Couldn't go. And the movie contract and the fact that Elvis was this pathetic hillbilly who could not stop himself, apparently, from letting this father figure. Again, I thought that was rather clumsily portrayed in the movie, but, you know, maybe it did well and I'm being picky. But, um, you know, that's the tragedy of Elvis, that he could not get away from that shadow. And, I mean, he, he didn't do the uh, Star is Born. He was mm -hmm. offered the Star is Born with Barbara Streisand, and I think the story was he would not accept second billing. Mm. And you don't want to get into that fight with Barbara Streisand. No. <laughs> and you shouldn't. So <laughs> she, the colonel, she, I didn't know She was that a much story. bigger star at the time. What? So the colonel wouldn't let him do it because he wasn't getting top billing. Is that what, mm -hmm. is that what happened? I don't right. know. Right, but probably the colonel just didn't want him ever to, um, it's very Howard Hughesian. You know the way Howard Hughes had these Mormons around him who kept him insulated? And Howard Hughes had an inclination to go back into the real world. He didn't want to be this recluse, but they would scare him back every time. Germs, germs, Howard. There's germs out there. And he'd crawl back into his cell that he'd made for himself, pissing into bottles because he was afraid of germs. He'd be perfect for COVID. <laughs> he would have been. <laughs> He'd be a uh, regular Dr. Fauci. But okay, so, but Elvis was kind of like wanting to expand, and the colonel scared him every time into going back to his ruts. I mean, he worked him like a mule. Yeah. People don't realize the day he died, he was scheduled to go to Portland, Maine. I've been to Portland, Maine. I have to. Okay. <laughs> We said, poor Portland. We'd say it with such resignation. I went there in the winter. Portland was, oh, wow. You do love show I did a winter. winter tour one time. Wow. 
and you know, and I, you know what I was told when I was convinced to go do it was, man, you're gonna love it, man. You go up north, you know, way up north, and you do this winter tour, and these people all have cabin fever, and they come out to the shows and lose their minds, you know, and um, and well, that didn't <laughs> help. <laughs> oh. I was miserable. Okay, couldn't get off the bus. Well, <laughs> You know, I mean, you, <laughs> it was hard to get from one show to the next. And then when you got there, right. you didn't want to. Uh, it was all I could do to get off the bus and get to the door to get in the <laughs> venue, you know, because I just, it was brutal. Yeah. It was, it was, oh, I, oh, my I, God. I'd go on stage and I'd just like, what's wrong with you people? Right. Why do you live here? Right. You know? I, I've been to, <laughs> it's been a long time since I've traveled in the cold. Yeah, that's the only winter tour I ever did. Right. No, I I don't understand why how people. I mean, obviously, people have economic limitations and family limitations, and they and also people just like living where they near where they grew up. Most people don't leave. You know, there's uh, (laughs) well, and the summers are nice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's a there's somebody known as. Chest, Cheshire Man, I think he's called. Um, it's this town in England, Cheshire. I think I'm saying it right. I may be getting it wrong. And they found the skeletons of a 9,000-year-old um, ancestor, human ancestor, 9,000-year-old. And uh, they traced his DNA back to someone who still lives in the town. Wow. In 9,000 years, this family moved like a block. <laughs> it says something about humans. Are you kidding? That's I'm true. I'm not kidding. No. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, that's one reason. People just... They need to get out. I mean, really. But have you ever been to Canada, like, in the winter? Like, it's it's 10 yes. degrees, and they're wearing short sleeve shirts. They just adapt. Humans adapt. I went to my wife's parents for Christmas this past Christmas, and I shoveled snow for four days. (laughs) To get for four days. You you earned some husband points there. I did. I hope you got rewarded. Man, it was. (laughs) uh, I swear the snow was, was above my head. Right. You know, oh, wow. Especially after I'd shoveled it all off the drive, you know. Right. It's crazy. The things you do for love, right? I was just doing it so I could get to the store and get some cigarettes. <laughs> Wait, that's not so romantic. <laughs> it's not at all. I know. But that's why I had to get out. But your songs are so I mean, you're such a, you really are a, a romantic. I mean, a lot of your songs... I mean, even that, you have that one about the uh, old lady who fucked you when you were a kid. Oh, my God. <laughs> I wasn't a kid. I was legal. I was I was legal. Is that true? Yes. You were, you were, was that your virginity? You no. Oh. <clears throat> no, but it's, but it's true. How old was that lady? She was 36. I was. Well, nothing wrong with, yeah. And you were 18? 19. Yeah. And she called you honey child. 
See, that's what made me think she was older. Sounds <laughs> like she's like 70. She didn't call me, honey. <laughs> you, you made up the whole. No, I didn't as, make up the whole thing. But that, I just thought, man, that's a cool little. That's a cool little turn, you know, when you she called me honey child, and then I'm going to pour this on you and make it taste like honey child. No, you're you know? a clever lyricist. Well, I didn't write that. But oh, really? No, but the story's true. Jesus Christ. How disappointing. You don't write all of your own? Not all of it. Oh. Well. Man, why would I? I swear, you know, I, I see. I, how do you get material like that in Nashville? Like you just, you just. There's just so many people like who are writing songs, and you go there and you throw your big money around well, because you're the, a big one star. One of the things is I've become. I had a dear friend of mine that who has since passed away, but he was a songwriter. We wrote a lot of songs together, and he just he just told me he said, "Man, you've become the laziest good songwriter that I know." <laughs> <laughs> and the reason he said that was because like. If if a hook comes if I if a hook comes to me or a melody comes to me, and I think on it for a while, and then uh, I and then I think, okay, who, which songwriter in my Rolodex is that idea in his wheelhouse? And then that's who I'll call and I'll pick up the phone and I'll go, hey Monty or hey Casey or Rivers or, you know. Um, so and then that's your writing partner yeah, on the song. Yeah. So and then I'll, you write it together. Here's my idea. Oh, so you like to write it with somebody? Yeah. I love to write too with piano players. I don't play piano, you know. Right. Yeah. And I and I would rather write with a and piano you, player. Do you write the lyrics and the music at the same time? Usually, no. Usually, I'll have a basic idea of of, of what the chord progression and the melody may be. But then there are other guys, too, that I work with that I'm like, I, I, I don't like this melody. I know there's a better one out there. And so, so I'll get with, a, with somebody that, that's really good at melodies and we'll come up with something better, you know? Mm. And some of these songs I hear today, it's like, you know, why don't you guys take a couple more days, you know? You got it to that point and then you just said, this is you turned it in and you said this is good enough and if you just let it rest and let your ears rest for a couple of days and right. then go back and listen to it again right you know you could have made it better wow. i hate it when i hear hooks in songs and then the the song just wasn't what they didn't write it you know they just didn't write it they they hmm. they got it close enough and then they quit you know, and Lynn said, that's good enough. You know, I hate that, man. You wasted a good hook because you got lazy and you didn't finish the song. But I can't say anything because I'm the laziest songwriter in the world. I mean. Really, it doesn't sound like it. You know, I think when I think about country music now, what's different about it, what I, I mean, I don't like any song unless I like the song. The lyrics going to be the greatest thing in the world doesn't matter if the song isn't good. And it doesn't work on the reverse. The, the lyrics can be shit. They're better if they're good. <laughs> but I don't care. If I like the song, I've listened to zillions of songs. I can name some where the lyrics are shit. Yeah. Or just gobbledygook. Yeah. You know, get back. What is yeah. that? What does that mean? There's I don't no, ever no... want to write anything that I don't 
think at least said it said something at least mildly profound, at least to me. Or what, you know I what I'm get, saying, what and would, that's not a very high bar. No, you know what I mean. But no, it's it got to say something but, at least mildly profound to me. Or what? Or I was, it's got to be very clever. Clever. This is what I was getting at yeah. with country music that I feel is a little different. Humor. Humor. Yeah. All they, of it's a lot of, of it the, is funny. A lot of your stuff is funny. All the ditties that I've done like, in my career, what people call ditties, I think they're cleverly written and they're funny. I left something turned That's on funny. at home. That's it's, clever. It's very clever. Honky Tonk Badonkadonk is clever. Yes, it is. It's cleverly written. I like that. And I can say that. I didn't write it. It's cleverly written. Yes. But that's like, like I left something turned on at home, which is something you would not hear in pop music. They would just not write that. No. And that's why you have to go to country music for things like that. And it is clever. But again, I wouldn't like it if I didn't like the song. I like it better the way I do it now than the way I recorded it back then, too. You know, it's evolved into something completely different. I, really? You know, I listen back, you know, to those first few albums that I did. And, you know, I just... I'm, I'm better at what I do now than I was when I. Me too. I'm, you know, I would. Sorry I would, about that, people that bought those I records. Th- and, you know, <laughs> I think the same thing. I'm like, better now, right? I think this. I could go look. I could look at my first two or three HBO specials, and they wouldn't be as good as adulting. Yeah. I w- and I would know that. I, this is why I would never look at them. But yeah, yeah, you can't be. You know, I was 29 or whatever. You can't be more than you are. It, I appreciate people who appreciated me at the time. And you know, there are some people who think we're worse. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> who like you know? Yeah. Who like that's just taste. Yeah. You know, I I don't think they're right. Yeah, but, man. You know, music appreciation is an opinion, and everybody's just different. You know, and that's cool. You know, I'm but, glad that there are a few people out there that like what I do, you know. Yeah, it's a good but, thing. It's a great thing to think, and you can have, you have every right to think that your last one was your best one. You don't want to. You don't want to be in that place. I mean, athletes are always in this place where they think, "Oh Christ, I'm I'm 35 and I peaked five years ago." That's rough. Yeah, you know. I, there, there's also the the. Uh, I listen to my voice now as opposed to 30 years ago. And it's and when I listen to my voice back then, I, just, I can't hardly bear to listen to it. It sounds thinner and it doesn't have that, I don't know. No, smoking I, and drinking definitely did a lot of good things for your voice. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I think it's just smoother and it's- Oh, it's, a, it's, it's very unique. It's, it's great. It's it's uh, you know and that's a good and you know, why you're not doing a million voiceovers I don't know I do I do enough man I do I do really? enough to keep me busy and I enjoy doing it and but you know and that's the thing about about having a voice like this that I was that I thank God I was blessed with I mean it's just the older I get it's going to get better listen to you know James Earl Jones my god he's been he's he's been saying this I, CNN for 40 years you know who I thought was better post 60 Sinatra yeah his voice got quite different I mean he also the was the material he chose yeah you know I mean he's another one like Elvis I didn't I would never I mean I wasn't around for that early Sinatra uh time but well, you know yeah I, I I don't except for uh 
It might as well be Swing, the one with Basie. That's a great album. If for that, you know, it's like mid-50s and America's feeling good about itself. I mean, obviously it was not diverse that, at that that's time. That's one of the things had still on my to-do list that I've been threatening to do for the last decade, and I haven't done it yet, but I what? tend to. I want to do a crooner record before I go a out. A crooner record, wow. You know, just go back and cover some of those some of those old classics. Quarter to you know, three. One more for the road, stuff like that. No one you know. in the place. Exactly. I want to do it. And me. I want to do it. So. Because I think it would be fun to do, you know. Stick them up, Joe. <laughs> Give me all your money. <laughs> Make it one for my baby and one all right. more for the road. Well, I can't thank because you I don't enough. do stuff for the money anymore. I asked the I question: Would that be fun to do? <laughs> you obviously, I don't do stuff for the money anymore. I know you're not paying me. I appreciate it. Right, I really do. Yeah. If I hadn't been here, I wouldn't have come. <laughs> I wanted to come by here and just sit around and shoot the shit with an old friend. I know you did, and I'm so glad you did. Man.